So good morning, Central Church. How's everybody? Awesome. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Uh, if you're watching us online this morning, whether it's Facebook Live or our website, whatever it is, we're just glad you're joining us this morning. Um, my wife, Charlene, and I, we, we have kids uh, scattered all over the U.S., Houston, St. Louis, uh, California, and they rarely get here, but we, we have to go and see them, uh, especially in the winter. They don't really like, I don't know why, they don't like coming here in the winter. But my grandson, Tyler, Tyler, come up here. My grandson, Tyler's here visiting us for a few days, and we are so excited that Tyler is here. Yeah. He's here for a basketball camp, and we're going to do some other fun stuff. So um, thanks for being here. Hello. <laughs> All right. Um, when you came in this morning, you got a, a white bulletin insert. Take that out for me, and then tear the perforation. So you have two pieces of paper in your hand. The, the thin portion is called a communication card. You can up, update contact information or give us your contact information if you haven't given that to us yet. But at the top of that, there's a place for prayer requests. If you or your family or someone that you know is in need of prayer, we send this out to dozens of people in our church that pray regularly over these. We pray as a staff for them. So fill it out, and then on your way out, any of the exits have boxes attached to the walls. You can drop that in. They say prayer requests and offerings, real easy, drop that in. If you have a physical offering, check or cash that you want to worship the Lord with this morning, you can drop that off in the, in the very same box. And this is a, being a holiday weekend. It's a family worship weekend, which means we have our younger, uh, our younger kids in with us, elementary age students. So if you got one of these on the way in, that means you're young, okay? If you did not get one of these on the way in, that means, well, you're young at heart anyways. Um, so, so if you have a blue sheet, here's what I want you to do with that. As you go and follow through my sermon, you can write down. I want you to write down anything you learn about the Trinity Anything you learn about the Trinity. And then I want you to draw, if you can, your best portrait of wind. Oh, how do I do that faster? It's invisible. You'll think about it. Just ha draw wind somehow on that sheet, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing group of people. Thank you for those that are watching us online right now. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. It, it changes us. It transforms us. It helps us to live a life uh, that's fulfilling and meaningful. Uh, it helps us to avoid sin. And Lord, I, I pray that your word, even now as we study this text in John, that it would help us to change the way we live and, and to live more like, like Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to John chapter 14. If you can find the New Testament, you're really close. You're four books away. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 14 in a second. We're in a series that's called The Life. It's a study in the Gospel of John. And we're finally in chapter, moving in, in, in through chapter 14. We're, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, John has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, so we're going, to, we're going to talk about that. How many of you have heard of the word the Trinity? Trinity, just raise your hand. You, yeah, we've all heard that. The Trinity is a word that describes the Christian belief that there's one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So one God existing or expressing himself in, in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, to conceptualize God the Father and God the Son isn't that hard because we have human examples, don't we? You, you know what a father is or should be or what a father does, and you know what a son is or should be or does. And you may even know the relationship, what that's supposed to look like between a father and a son. It's a, it's a, it's a human relationship. And we can, we can understand 
two of the persons in the Trinity, the Father and the Son, because it's something we see and know and experience in life. But what about a spirit? God the Spirit. That's where it gets messy, right? That's where it gets a little bit hard because spirit, by definition, is inanimate. That, that means it's not physical. It means it's invisible to the natural eye. So how do we know and understand what God the Spirit is in the Trinity? Uh, So so needless to say, the Holy Spirit is the least well-known of the three persons of the Trinity. We, We understand the Father, we understand the Son. But it's when we get to the Holy Spirit that that becomes a little bit foggy. Yet, in every book of the New Testament... The Holy Spirit is mentioned at least once, except for the three smallest letters in the New Testament, Philemon, 2 John, and 3 John. Those small little letters, they're very short. They they don't have a reference to the Holy Spirit. But every other book in the New Testament has at least one, usually numerous references to God, the Holy Spirit. And John has a lot to say. We've already come across several passages that we're going to go revisit today uh, up leading up to chapter 14, about about the Holy Spirit. But beginning in chapter 14 and then 15 and 16, John begins to get really specific about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. So if you have John chapter 14, would you open that this morning? And I just want to give you a little context. So John chapters, chapters 13 to 17, 13 to 17, all take place in just a few hours. The the context is the the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples on the night before he goes to the cross, okay? So the teaching, the prayer, everything you see, it's mainly the words of Jesus in John chapters 13 to 17 takes place in a few hours the night before the cross. And Jesus is going to talk a little bit in chapter 14 about the Holy Spirit. Read with me, if you would, in verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, Now, the word helper in the Greek is the word paraclete. It means legal advocate, helper, counselor. We're going to unpack that next week as we continue with this teaching on the Holy Spirit. But he says, I'm going to send you, the Father will send you another helper. Now, there's two words uh, that are translated another in our English Bibles. One means another of a different kind, and one means another of the same kind. And this word means another of the same kind. So God is going to send another helper, another counselor like Jesus, someone that essentially will take Christ's place on the earth. That is uh, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So Jesus is saying right now the Holy Spirit is is with you, (coughs) excuse me, But the day is coming when he's going to live inside of you. And that day would come after Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, and went back to heaven. So Jesus is saying, you you, you experience the Holy Spirit now with you, but you're going to experience him inside of you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Skip down to verse 25. Jesus says these things, I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, excuse me, all that I said to you. All right. I said that John has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go back and visit a few of those verses here in just a minute. But I want to talk this morning about what, what does John teach us about the Holy Spirit and share three quick thoughts with you along those lines. The first is this. We receive the same Holy Spirit as Jesus. 
we receive the same Holy Spirit as Jesus. I want you to think about that statement and just let it sink in for a second. Because when you think of the life of Jesus, you go to the miracles, you, you go to all the things that Jesus did. And I don't know if you knew that, that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. But the same works, the same things that Jesus did by the Holy Spirit, you have that same Spirit. Just hard to imagine that, that we have that the same power that Jesus walked in. So when did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? So, and, and, you know, why did he receive the Holy Spirit? We want to talk about that. But Jesus received the Holy Spirit at his water baptism. So John's account, back in John chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, says John testified, John the Baptist, saying, I have seen the Holy Spirit descending, coming down as a dove out of heaven, and he remained, the Holy Spirit remained on Jesus. And I didn't recognize Jesus at first, not as the Messiah, but God, who sent me to baptize in water, John the Baptist says, said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So John's saying a couple things here. First of all, he said that God told him that the one on whom the Holy Spirit falls and remains, that's the Son of God, that's the Messiah. And he is the one that's then going to baptize or bring the Holy Spirit to everybody else. So the same Holy Spirit that, that came on Jesus at his baptism, Jesus will eventually send that Holy Spirit to all those who believe in him. Now, Luke's account is a little bit different. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Luke says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And as he was praying in the water, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom in you I'm well pleased. So <clears throat> that begs the question, why did Jesus, who was God, remember the second person of the Trinity, why did Jesus need the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's already God. Why does he need God, the Holy Spirit, in his life? And the answer to that question is because in order for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to be a substitute for us, to be an acceptable sacrifice on the cross to remove humanity's sin, he had to be like us in every way. Uh, the book of Hebrews says Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, had to become like us in every single way. And so we're not God. We, we, we can't live like God. We have to live for God under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus came to live in the exact same way that we did. So what had to happen was Jesus, who was God, had to lay aside his God privileges or his God powers in order to be fully human and operate like we do. And that's exactly what we see in Philippians chapter 2. Let's read beginning in verse 5. Paul says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, Jesus was God, he didn't consider equality with God or being God something to be held on to, but emptied himself. Now what does that phrase, emptied himself, mean? It doesn't mean that Jesus all of a sudden wasn't God. No, G Jesus is God. He couldn't, he couldn't not become God. But what he could do was he could lay aside his ability to act as God, his divine privilege to do whatever he wanted as God. So Jesus laid aside his divine privilege. He laid aside his ability to live like God in the earth in order to take on flesh and blood and be a human in order to live like all of us, which is why he needed the Holy Spirit. 
He needed the Holy Spirit to empower him to live the life that God intended every person to live. He goes on. He emptied himself of his divine privilege by taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. All right. So you've received the same Holy Spirit that Jesus did. Jesus received the Holy Spirit at his baptism. That was the point at which he began his ministry. So Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's purpose for his life as a human and eventually as a sacrifice. That's hard to fathom, isn't it, that the same power that rested on Jesus, the same power that allowed him to live the life that he lived and to do the things that he lived, lives in you. Like, do you ever think about that? See, we think that Jesus had some power that was different than ours. We, we think that, that God gave Jesus an AR-15 rifle and he gave us BB guns, right? I mean, isn't that how we think? That, that somehow he had this different power that we have, but that's not true. Same Holy Spirit that came on Jesus when he was baptized to give him the strength and power to do everything he needed to do to fulfill God's purpose. The same Holy Spirit, if you're a Christ follower, lives in you. That's why Jesus could say, back in chapter 14, verse 12, this. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, if you're a Christ follower, if you put your trust in Christ, the works that I do, he will do what? Well, how can he say that? If he had a different level of power, if he operated at a different level than you, how could he say you're going to do the same thing that I did? Well, we do it because we have the very same Holy Spirit. And then he says, greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. By greater, he doesn't mean we're going to do greater miracles. It means they're going to be more widespread because everybody has the Holy Spirit. Jesus isn't limited to one place at one time. All of a sudden, the church, everybody has the Holy Spirit and these works can be multiplied throughout the earth. Same Spirit that Jesus operated in as a human is working in you. So Jesus as a human needed the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that God intended and that God intends for us. So did you know that Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive the people that abused him and harmed him and humiliated him? Just like you do. Just, just like when you get hurt by people, when you get offended by people, when people are rude and mean and hurtful to you and it's really hard to let that go and it's really hard to forgive them and it's really hard to um, you know, release them from the pain that you're experiencing, Jesus had to deal with that too. So, so how could Jesus hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they don't, they don't know what they do by the power of the Holy Spirit? And you have that same power residing in you. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to face the suffering of the cross, and so do you. When you are facing things that are daunting and fearful and bring anxiety into your heart, you need the same power of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, write down that reference and read that verse. It says that Jesus offered himself up. He offered himself up on the cross through the eternal spirit, through the Holy Spirit. It was through the Spirit's power that Jesus was able to face the suffering of the cross, and it's through the Holy Spirit's power you are able to face the sufferings of the cross that you bear in your life. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to walk through grief and sadness in his life. Yeah, Jesus lost people that he loved. He lost Lazarus. He lost John the Baptist. 
And just like you, as you deal with sadness and sorrow and grief, in order to get out of that and not stay stuck in that, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you see Jesus encounter these deaths and these friends and relatives that died, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that he could overcome that. Did you know that Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel? John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he said, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, he's empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. And so do you, and so do I. In order to share Jesus with those in our relational world, and in order to share our faith with people, we need the Holy Spirit's power working in our lives. Everything that was true about Jesus in his humanity is true for us. So what's the good news for us? The good news is the weakest, most insecure, the one that feels most insignificant in the church, that one has the power of Christ at the same level. Come on. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're the weakest. You're the the worst example of, of a Christ follower, and yet you have the same power that resided in Jesus Christ. Not not only did you receive the same spirit as Jesus, but but the spirit is invisible, but real. The Holy Spirit is unseen to the natural eye, but real. And Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to the concept of wind. So we're going to go back to chapter 3 in his conversation with Nicodemus. Let's read this. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Holy Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. It's the Holy Spirit that that changes you and makes you alive spiritually. He causes you to be born again or born from above. Humans can only reproduce human life. The Spirit can give spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows, and here's the analogy. The wind blows wherever it wants Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. John says it's a mystery. Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus, says you can't can't fully understand the Holy Spirit and his work. But what an incredible analogy. I want you to think about this analogy of the Holy Spirit and wind, just for a minute. You can't see the wind. But you experience the effects of the wind, don't you? And even though you don't fully understand how wind comes about, you could share with somebody how the wind has affected you, can't you? You can say, the wind messes my hair up. You can say, the wind makes me cold. You can say, the wind blows debris around me and leaves and the wind swirls and, right? You can can share with people the effect of the wind. And you can share with people the effect that the Holy Spirit has had on your life, even if you don't fully understand everything about the Holy Spirit. You can say that I was in deep, deep grief and pain. And and, and supernaturally, the Holy Spirit brought me comfort. The, The Lord comforted me in my grief. You can say that, man, I I had a, a serious problem with anger. You, you, you fill in the blank. I had a serious problem with whatever, and yet God has helped me and delivered me from that. You can talk about all of the effects 
that the Holy Spirit has had on your life without fully understanding how everything operates. When I was going through the, the, the most difficult, stressful, anxious time of my life, mysteriously, the peace of God was in my life. I experienced His peace. See, you don't, you don't have to fully understand everything about the Trinity and everything about the Holy Spirit to tell people, this is what the Holy Spirit does in my life. And you know the other thing about wind? We don't control it. We don't control where the wind blows. All we can do is recognize where it's blowing. We can say, oh, the wind's blowing south today. Oh, the wind's blowing west today. We can identify it. And you know what? You can't control the Holy Spirit. You don't control the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life. But you know what you, you can do? You can sense what the Holy Spirit is doing, where the Holy Spirit's going in your life, and you can follow the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God has given you the ability to recognize the wind of the Holy Spirit in your life and where it's going? He will lead you away from sin. And if you follow the leading of the Lord, the, follow, the Holy Spirit, He will lead you away from temptation. But you have to follow. He will lead you into the right decisions for your life if you're sensitive to the leading of the wind in your life and the Holy Spirit. He's given you the ability, every Christ follower has the ability to sense the direction of the wind. You do in your life. And, and you know what we also have the ability to do? To go against the wind. When we know where the Holy Spirit is leading and what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, how many of you ever walk against the wind in your life? The wind of the Holy Spirit. You go against, I mean, it's literally like walking into the wind. You know that you're not following God. You know that you're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we have that amazing ability to understand the effect of God's Spirit in our life, to tell other people about it, and to walk in the rhythm and direction of the Spirit of God. You have that ability. It's marvelous. Well, the third thing is that the, the Holy Spirit works through people. The Holy Spirit doesn't work on His own, in a vacuum, apart from people. He works through people. He wants to work through your life. So as we, as we, as we look at the life, we're going to go back to, to, to John chapter, chapter 7. Because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would flow out of our lives and touch the lives of those around us. That the Holy Spirit, as he takes residence in a person's life, wants to touch the people around. So back to John chapter 7. If you remember the story, Jesus was at the, at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember that the, the week that I put on the, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish prayer shawl, and I had the golden pitcher of water, and, and the priest during the, the last day of the festival would pour the water from the golden pitcher into the altar. It was symbolic of believing that God was going to bring rain on the land so that they'd have another great harvest in the upcoming season. At that moment, that very moment, Jesus stood up in the temple and he said these words. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, from, from inside, literally his belly, from inside of him will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the Holy Spirit, uh, whom those who believed in him were going to receive, but the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to be poured out on Christians until Jesus died and was resurrected and went back to heaven. That was the day of Pentecost. But Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, it, it's going to be like rivers of living water that flow out of your life. The, the word flow there 
Uh, rivers of living water will flow. It, it's only used that one time in the New Testament. So we don't have a lot of context to determine exactly what that means. So we look at secular sources in the first century. And what that word literally means, it either spoke of a, of a river that was full and, and, and powerful and overflowing its banks, or the, the head of a river, the beginning of a river where there was this, this powerful flow. And it literally means to overflow. And that's why Jesus used that word. Because he said the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life, and then the Holy Spirit's going to flow out of your life, rivers of living water. And the intention was that the Holy Spirit wasn't just for you. The effects of the Holy Spirit wasn't just to give you good feelings inside. The purpose of the Holy Spirit was to flow out of your life and to impact and affect the lives of those around you, which is exactly what we see in the life of Jesus. As Jesus walked the earth, the power of the Holy Spirit that he received at baptism flowed out of his life and powerfully affected the people around him. Let's look in Luke chapter 6. And all the people, the people that were following Christ and around him, were trying to touch him because power was what? Coming out of him and healing them all. There was a sense in which Jesus didn't even have to, have to lay his hands on people. Like the Holy Spirit flowed through his life and touched people. If we can, if we can just get near him. And remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood, the, the woman that had the constant hemorrhage? Remember she said to herself, if I just get close enough to Jesus to touch his clothes... I, he doesn't even have to pray for me. He doesn't, I don't even have to touch him. But, but there's this power that flows out of him. Here, here's the story in Mark chapter 5. This woman had been saying to herself, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. She did, and immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had what? Gone out of him. Again, there's this overflow in the life of Jesus of his power, where if, where, where if I can, as I'm sick, if I can get close enough to touch him, that, that, that power that flows, those rivers of, of life that flow out of Jesus. But you're saying, well, that was Jesus. Duh. Of course, power is going to flow out of Jesus. All right, what about the apostles? Let's take a look at Peter in Acts chapter 5. It says, more and more people began to come to faith and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people, listen, were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Crowds from the villages around Jerusalem brought, brought their sick and those demon-possessed, and they were healed. Like, what's happening here? So there was something about the life of Peter, the life of the apostles, where th there was a sense in which the power of God resonated in and through their lives. I don't know that they were saying, you know, if, if there's something magical about Peter's shadow. I think part of what they were saying was, if I can get close enough, if I can get so close that Peter's shadow crosses me, somehow if, if I have faith in Christ, that the power that God has given him is going to flow into my life and I'll be, and they were healed. They were being healed. Paul, similar situation, Acts chapter 19. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons, cloths, were even carried from Paul's body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. So what's happening here? People are sick too far away for Paul to go and, and, and reach everybody, so people are bringing handkerchiefs, cloths, aprons. 
and say, Paul, would you, would you pray over these? Lay your hands on those. And in some way, there was an impartation of the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit, in Paul into those garments that somehow stayed resident while they traveled, and then as they laid those cloths on people, they were healed. Okay, I'm not saying you need to start a handkerchief ministry, right? And that, I'm not saying that, that all of these miracles that we see with, with the apostles, that we can do those whenever we want. We can't. I, I'm trying to point out the fact that through Jesus and through the apostles, the Holy Spirit seemed to flow out of them into the lives of those around them. And if it's the same Holy Spirit that lives in you, and if what Jesus said in, in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39 is true, that, that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water out of you with the purpose of spilling over to touch the people around you, do you recognize that? I, I, I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. You can do miracles whenever you want. I'm saying if, if the same power that flowed out of Jesus and touched the people around. And if the same power that flowed out of Peter and healed people, and, and if the same power that was at work in Paul as he prayed for people, whether it was through handkerchiefs or live or whatever, if, if that power resulted in life change for the people around them, what about the power that lives in you if it's the same Holy Spirit? Do you ever think about that? That this wellspring of life flows in and through you. You know, th- there's people that say, well, the, the miracles, th- that stuff, Jesus stuff, the apostles stuff, all of those healings and miracles that happened, they came to an end when the last apostle died. All right, there's people that teach that and believe that. That the, that the purpose of the miracles in the first century was so that, that the message of Jesus would be confirmed with supernatural signs. And, and that that was the only audience, I suppose, that needed proof that the gospel was true. Okay, well, my question then is, when did the Holy Spirit change? When did the Holy Spirit become different? And, and where does it say in Scripture that the Holy Spirit changed? You know what? Nowhere, because you know why God can't change. God is immutable. He's eternal and unchanging in his nature. So if the Holy Spirit didn't change between the first century and the 21st century, what changed? Maybe we did. Maybe our perception of the Holy Spirit. Maybe our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe our faith that the Holy Spirit wants to work through us changed. Maybe, maybe we, because we didn't understand it or we, we prayed once or twice, nothing happened that we decided the Holy Spirit isn't alive in these days and doesn't want to work through our lives. What if we're the ones that need to change? What if we're the ones that need a fresh understanding of the God, God the Holy Spirit in Scripture? And what if it's the same Holy Spirit today that worked through Jesus and worked through Peter and worked through Paul? How would that affect your life? How would it affect your life as you go out into the marketplace if this river of life that flowed out of Jesus and flowed out of Peter and flowed out of Paul was flowing out of you? How would that change your day? I want to close with this story in, in Acts chapter 3. It's a story of Peter, the guy that we just read about, and John, the, the one that wrote the Gospel of John. It's after the day of Pentecost, so they have the Holy Spirit, and they're going to the temple to pray, and they encounter 
a crippled man that was a beggar. He was a beggar because he couldn't work. Physically, he couldn't generate an income. So here's what we read. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive money. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. The man looked at them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. He thought they were going to give him a handout. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but I give you what I have. Everybody say, I give you what I have. Say it again, I give you what I have. Peter said, I have something. I have something I can give you. I have something that's been given to me. I have, some, I, I have a source of power that I can, I can offer to you, the Holy Spirit. I, I may not have enough money to change your life, but I have something even better. I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It says he stretched out his hand, and, and immediately this guy's feet and ankles were strengthened, and he, and he raised him up. I give you what I have. When you go through your day, do you, do, you, do you understand what you have? Do you understand the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in you? Do you understand that you have the, the, the power of joy, that you have the power of peace, that you have the power of forgiveness, you have the, the power of grace, you have the, the, the power to restore and help people find healing and meaning in life? You have the power in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I give you what I have. What do you have? And are you willing to give it? He said, so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk, he, he simply prayed. And I wonder if when we come in contact with people around us that have needs, I wonder what our response is, if it's even close to this. I understand your need. Let me give you what I have. Shirlene and I, as we encounter people in our world, all kinds of needs, emotional needs, marital needs, whatever the need is, and we say, can we, can we pray for you? Let us, let us give you what we have. How many of you ever prayed for somebody that didn't know Jesus and God answered that prayer? Do you know why he does? Because he loves them as much as he loves you. He loved the beggar as much as he loved Peter. And he, and he had blessed Peter, but he wanted to bless the beggar too, through Peter. Remember, God works through, the Holy Spirit works through people. And God wants to work through you to touch the world around you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to offer what you have? Are you willing to say, could I, could I pray for you that God's power would work in your life could I, could I pray that God changes the course of your life? Could I pray that God would bring healing or life to you? Let me give you what I have. So how does this concept in Scripture in the Gospel of John, how could it change the way you live this week? How could it change the way you think and go about your day understanding that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had I have. How does it change your life this morning to know that, that when Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water with the purpose of touching the people around you and influencing their life, how many of you are going to go forth this week differently realizing that God's power wants to touch people? 
Are you willing to be a difference maker in people's lives? How will it affect you this week to know that even though you may not understand everything about the Holy Spirit, you understand the, the effect of the Spirit and you could tell somebody what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. This is, this is what God's doing in my life. This is the experience that I've had with God's power. How many of you could go out and do that? How many of you could share your faith by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you? Would you stand with me this morning? Peter said words that haunt me. Peter said words that arrest my heart and challenge me and convict me. Peter said to the crippled beggar, I give you what I have. He'd been given an incredible gift. Peter had been given a gift that could change people's lives for eternity. And he said, let me, let me give you what I have. Would you be willing this week to give what you have to see other people know God? Let's pray. God, we're sorry this morning that we, we've somehow neglected the, the work of the third person of the Trinity. We've somehow in our minds said that it's not the same Spirit or the Spirit doesn't do those things in our lives today. And yet, Lord, you, you said that greater works would we do when you send the Holy Spirit. Help us this week as we encounter needs of people around us to realize and remember we have something. We have a gift. We can pray for an impartation of peace. We could pray for the joy of the Lord. We could pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We could pray and speak words of encouragement. We could offer forgiveness through Christ. We could pray for release from depression and anxiety. We could pray for deliverance from addiction. We could pray for healing. <laughs> Lord, let us live differently this week because of the residing power of the Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Have a great Fourth of July weekend. God bless you. We'll see you next week.